Okay, good morning. Good morning, Rabbi. and a licht Amen. Want to thank our sponsors for this series for Amuna for the year. Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, Lezecher Nishmas, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, Rabbarach Tzvi Ben Ruvain Nasan. We thank them for their sponsorships. A reminder that a week from today is the Siyam Ashas that will be celebrated at MetLife Stadium in New York and around the world, but also with a location here in Florida. It's going to be an enormous celebration of Torah for people without, throughout South Florida. Thousands signed up. And uh, a special Siyam Hashas in memory of Brian. A special uh, Shas has been learned in the last few months alone, just in his memory, and it will be a great tribute to him. And it's not too late to get tickets. And in fact, the tickets are $5 admission, next to nothing. But tomorrow they go up. So take advantage of ordering today. SouthFloridaCM.org is where you can get them. We also want to thank the sponsor for today in particular, our friend Lynn Han. Thank you, Lynn, for your sponsorship. We appreciate it. Okay, we are in. Be'emunaso Yechia, Revolba's fantastic sefer, Tzadik Be'emunaso Yechia, the righteous live through Emuna. If you walk through life with Emuna, you're alive. And if you're walking through life with no Emuna, if you think that you are the beginning and end of it all, if you're pursuing your own honor, your own ego, your own needs, your own pleasure, your own happiness, you think that you are the one in control, it's your own pride, it's your own sense of arrogance, that you are the one responsible for all in your life, then you're dead even while you are alive. Then you're sleepwalking through life. Tzadik, to be a righteous person means to find life through the amuna that we are that we are living. This is what Hanukkah is all about. I'm not digressing to Hanukkah yet. We're going to get into our, our finish up what we've been learning, and then we'll get into Hanukkah if we have time. But I just want to say that that's what Hanukkah is all about. The notion, the contrast of Hanukkah of darkness and light are not a physical me- uh, reality, a physical contrast. They are a metaphysical contrast. The image of darkness is a person who's living in a self-centered world, a person who's focused on themselves, the person who thinks that they are the beginning and the end, the person whose ego is inflated and arrogantly walks through life thinking they're in charge, they're in control, they're responsible, they get the credit, is a person who's living in darkness. The saddest thing about the people who are cloaked in darkness is too many of them don't even know it. The, the egotistical, self-centered, narcissistic person thinks they have all kinds of relationships, but they're shallow, they're superficial, they're counterfeit and they're fake, and they think that they're living a full, robust life, they don't even know what they're missing out on. Only when you turn the light on do you realize. You ever walk in a room and someone was sitting there and they thought that it was light, you turn the light on for them. Some people's childhood was like that, when their parents saved money by turning all the lights off in every room, even when someone was sitting in it. So if you come into that room, if you come into that room and you turn the light on for them, they say, wow, I didn't even realize how dark it was. Until you turn the light on, I didn't realize how much I was missing. I didn't realize how much I was struggling or straining to see. Until you turn the light on, I thought it was light. And once you turn the light on, only now do I realize how dark it actually was, how much darkness I was sitting in. And the same is true for us emotionally and spiritually. We could be walking around in darkness and not even know. And you turn the light on for someone and you show them there's a bigger world and there's a higher being. And there's more to life, and there's meaning, and there's purpose, and there's selflessness, and there's giving, and there's fulfillment and satisfaction, and there's happiness, is to turn that light on. And that's what we're doing. Eight nights in a row, we're turning the light, the dimmer, a little higher, and a little higher, and a little higher, until the eighth night, it's burning bright. And that glow is enormous. We're fanning that flame that starts out as a small spark inside each of us. On that first night, all there is, thank you, Rabarach, for the coffee each week. We appreciate it so much. On that first night, all I light is that little flame. And I think that that's all there is, is that little flame, that little spark inside, inside me. And Shabbat Shuvah, I told the story 
But looking around, many of you are not here on Shabbat Shuvah. No, no, not, many of you don't live locally. It's not a criticism of you. So I'll tell the story again very, very briefly just to give you the, the context for Hanukkah. But that last year, or two years ago on Pesach, at the end of the Seder, at 1, 1.30 in the morning, we walked the guests out and a woman came running frantically back into our backyard, screaming and yelling and waving her arms and not an idea what had happened. But she grabbed me, literally grabbed me, and dragged me to the shul. And when we got to the entrance of the shul, I saw that there was an enormous fire, an enormous fire. And since we want to really expand our campus and do major work, my first thought was, turn around and go home. <laughs> you didn't see nothing. But then realized there's Sifri Torah inside and so on and so forth. Anyway, we came up closer and by the time we got up closer, there was a dumpster that had this enormous fire that was going up, it could be 20, 30 feet into the air, an enormous fire. And shortly after the fire department had come, because someone else saw it as well, and called the fire department who came and who put it out. And we tried to struggle to figure out where did that fire come from? How did that happen? The fire department helped us understand. What had happened is that morning, it was the first Seder, it was the first night of Pesach. And that morning, we had beer chametz. We have these big metal drums where people come and drop off all their chametz to burn. And our incredible, amazing, devoted, dedicated custodians had made sure to put out the drums of fire before they emptied its contents into the dumpster. And what did they do? They poured enormous amount of water on it. And they waited till the whole drum had cooled. And then they poured more water on it. And then they checked it. And it was all cold and it was all cool and it was all out. And it was entirely extinguished. And when they were confident it was, they turned the whole thing over and emptied it into the dumpster. And the fire department said, you know what must have happened? Buried underneath, somehow self-contained and able to still survive, there was an ember. There was a little glow. There was a spark. All that survived of the effort to extinguish the fire was a little, was a little ember. But you know, many, many, many hours later, the ember, able to breathe with the oxygen in the dumpster, turned into a fire and became a raging fire that literally came very close to a tree overhanging the dumpster, which also was overhanging the building. And really, we got away from a disaster with tremendous hakar satov and gratitude to Hashem. But what's the lesson I took from that story? was that I'd have to still raise a lot of money to try to build this building, number one. <laughs> but number two, but number two, was that all you need to have survive within us, all that needs to remain, all that has to be there. If life circumstance has extinguished the fire in us, so we had bad teachers or rebellion or role models or people mistreated us or Judaism or Orthodox Jews have turned us off or hardship and trials and tribulations have made us feel disconnected and turned the fire lower and lower and lower and turned it out, all that has to remain as long as there's an ember glowing inside you somewhere. As long as you can identify that, that pintal yid, that spark somewhere inside you, you fan that flame and it grows brighter and brighter and it can yet turn into a raging fire, a raging bright light and a raging fire. And that's the imagery of Hanukkah. We started that first night with one little light, one little pach and survived, all the little flask. We start out, with a tiny little spark, a little ember, one little glow. And by the eighth night, we follow the opinion of Beis Hillel, that we are Mosif Aholich. We're Mosif Aholich. We add and it grows and we do more and we do more. We're Mosif Aholich. Each night, it's Mosif Aholich. How are we Mosif Aholich? By giving ourselves. All right, we'll start out with Hanukkah for a minute and then we'll come back to it. We'll come back to Emuna. How are we Mosif Aholich? You know, inspiration, going from an ember, the first night of Hanukkah to the eighth night, doesn't happen on its own. Every night you've got to set up the candles and you've got to add an extra flame and you've got to light the next flame. The second flame doesn't light from the first and the third flame doesn't light from the second. 
We have a shamash, and we are that shamash, and we are lighting those flames within us, and we're lighting the flames in the people around us. The amazing thing about fire is you can light the flame of people around you, and it doesn't diminish your flame whatsoever. No matter how many candles that shamash lights, it doesn't get any smaller. Fire has that incredible, almost unique ability to light countless flames without being diminished itself. Other resources and other commodities, if I share what I have with you, I have less. If I give you my money, if I give you my food, if I give you my time, if I give you my energy, if I share what I have, I have less. But the image of fire is that no matter how many times I've shared it, no matter how many fires I've lit with it, it remains burning bright. It's not diminished in any which way. We are that shamash, that's our mission, is to not become diminished in any which way, is to maintain that fire within us, to find that ember, that glow, and to let it burn bright, and to make it burn bright. The Pasuk says, Aaron lit the menorah. We're lighting the Chanukiah, the menorah, to commemorate the menorah of the Beis HaMikdash. Aaron lit the menorah in the Beis HaMikdash as the first Kohen Gadol. And the Pasuk tells us, after the uh, Parsha of the Karbanos of the Nesim, which is what we're reading every morning of Chanukah, Pasuk says, Vayaskein Aaron. Aaron did this. Vayaskein Aaron. And Rashi quotes Chazal. Rashi quotes the, um, the rabbis who tell us, Malamed Shvacho Shal Aaron Shaloshina. This is the praise of Aaron that he never changed. He never changed. That's the praise of Aaron that he never changed. God told you to do it this way, and he did it the way God told him. Ooh, wow, we should honor him at the dinner. And God tells you how to do it, and you didn't do it differently. You're not some tzaddik. I mean, God told you how to do it. And you do it the prescribed way, the way you were told to do it. That's your job. That's your job, is to do it the way that you were told to do it. Why are we lauding Aaron? Why are we putting all this praise on Aaron that he did it in that way? So many commentaries explain that really you have to read it differently. Shiloshinad means that not that he changed the way he was told to do it. It's not that the process didn't change. It's not that he didn't change what he was supposed to do. It's that he didn't change. The same excitement, the same joy, the same fervor, the same energy, the same enthusiasm that he brought the first day and the first time he was asked to do it, by the thousandth time he was just as excited. It never got old, it never got stale. That's what the uh, Rafersh writes, that when it came to the Lacham Apanim, the 12 loaves that were in the Beis HaMikdash, and they changed it out every Shabbos. It says, Siluko Kisidura, when they took the bread away, it was as fresh as when they put it there. And the typical understanding of the Gemara means that it was a miracle of the bread in the Mishkan. There were no preservatives, there were no additives, there were nothing to make it last, and yet, a week later, when they took the bread out, it was just as fresh as when they put it there. But first says, don't read the Gemara that way. It doesn't mean the bread was just as fresh. It means the Kohanim, the same ones who did the same procedure and the same process and the same activity, they didn't become stale. They never lost their enthusiasm, their energy, and their excitement. And that's our mission, to walk in the way, to be a disciple of Aaron HaKohen, to be just as excited, to light our Shabbos candles, our Hanukkah candles, to do each mitzvah, to volunteer with each moment of chesed, to be just as excited with the passion, the fervor, and the enthusiasm, to be devoted, to give our entire selves, to be part and parcel of this process. You know, it's an amazing thing about the about the uh, Hanukkah candles. We all know that we celebrate the miracle of the Pach Shemen, the little flask of oil that was meant to last one day and lasted instead for eight. <coughs> but one of the great questions that Pnei Yeshua asks is, Tomo Hitcher They could have lit other flasks. All the other flasks had been contaminated. They had been compromised by our enemies. The only one that remained pure and eligible to be lit was this tiny little flask. But we have a halachic principle of Tomo Hitcher We have certain halachic principles, variables, Technical, not for now, but the circumstances were such that you could rely on 
certain leniencies, and you could have lit any of the other oils. They didn't only have to light that oil, only that oil. So the Kedushas Levi, or Levi Yitzchak of Berditcha, the Berditcha says, nevertheless, they devoted themselves, they dedicated themselves only to light the one that was the highest caliber. They, they were so devoted that they made a statement that they would be unsatisfied lighting anything less than the best. Anything less than the best. And this is the message of Hanukkah, is to not be satisfied with a little tumah. Yeah, the rules technically, and it's okay, and I can rely on it, it's an exception, and it's an exemption, and I can get away with. Is that the way we live our lives? Is that the way we live our lives? When people ask me, they're putting up a new home. I get the privilege of getting the first tour of the new homes, because they have all kinds of mezuzah shilas. So I take a tour of the new houses that go up. So they say, Rabbi, I called the sofa, and there's a mezuzah for $40, there's a mezuzah for $140, and there's mezuzahs in between. Do I really have to, is there really a difference? It's ink on parchment, it says the same thing. Is there really a difference between the $40 mezuzah and the $140 mezuzah and the $300 mezuzah? Do I have to really get? So I say, let's go out to your driveway. So what are you talking about? What does my driveway have to do with mezuzah? Nobody thinks you have to put a mezuzah on a driveway. I said, let's see what kind of car you drive. If you're driving the most basic car, with rolling windows and none of the features and none of the, then you can get the most basic mezuzah. But if you're not satisfied with the basic features, if you're not satisfied with the least options, if you're not satisfied with the most basic model, then you can't be satisfied with that in your spirituality either. I'll tell you the same thing about a car. Does it not get you from point A to point B? I would use the name of a basic car, but I don't want to insult anybody. I drive a Honda Accord. I have like my fifth Honda Accord in a row. It's the most balabatisha car you could have. A Honda Accord. It's a Pashada car, a Honda Accord, Honda Accord. In fact, I'm up for a new lease, and the person I get the lease from said, you know, the Accord for some reason is expensive. The Acura is less. I said, I'm not driving an Acura though. I don't care if it's less money. I'm not driving an Acura. A Honda Accord. So if you drive a Honda Accord, does it not get you from point A to point B? Just like a Lexus, a Mercedes, a BMW, or a Tesla? And yet, you want the Tesla, you want the BMW, you want the Lexus, you want the Infiniti, you want the Acura. So if you have that kind of car, that's the kind of mezuzah you have to get to. And in our physical lives, we are overachievers. I want a bigger house, I want more money, a bigger portfolio, a nicer car, a nicer clothing. I want more and more and more. In our physical, material lives, in the education of our children secularly, we are overachievers. Take the SATs again, you can do better. Take it a 17th time, take it 22 times. You can get the honors, because that also means I get more of my money that I get to keep if you get the, the honors. So more and more and more and more in the physical, material world than in the spiritual world, eh, it's good enough. Isn't there some opinion that says that's kosher somewhere? Doesn't it say somewhere, isn't there an exception, an exemption, is a, I'm on vacation, I can go and I can rely, can I rely on, isn't there an opinion I can rely on? I Googled it and I found somewhere someone once said something and if it was good during the Holocaust, can I also? So when it comes to the world of spirituality, we're satisfied being underachievers and Hanukkah says no, be an overachiever. They could have used they could have used the Pach Shemen that was Tameh, they could have used the contaminated oil, but they said no, to light our holy menorah? <coughs> to illuminate the world with the holy menorah, we're not going to bring anything that's less than the ideal. We're overachievers. We're doing the best. In our home, for our family, we're going to bring anything less than the ideal. We shouldn't feed them garbage physically. We shouldn't feed ourselves garbage spiritually. And we have to live with the highest and the loftiest. And that's how we have to devote ourselves. Shiloshina, like, like Aaron Cohen, to never lose the enthusiasm, the passion, and the dedication and the devotion and to be present in all that we're doing. And that's the bracha. We say a bracha when we light the candles. And the Yaivitz, in his Morak Tzir writes, Yaakov Emden writes, 
that this bracha is not like every other bracha of a mitzvah. If I left out the bracha before I shook the lulav, was I yotze in the mitzvah of lulav? Yes. It happens to be the rabbis ordained the birchas mitzvah. We have three kinds of bracha. We studied this at length when we talked about the hundred brachas. So we have three kinds of bracha. Birchas anenin, the bracha before I enjoy or benefit from this world. A birchas hashevach, a bracha where I praise Hashem. Lightning, thunder, and so on. You see natural phenomena. And then you have a birchas, what did I say? Birchas anenin, a birchas hashevach, choda, and a birchas mitzvah. Before I light the candles, before I put on my tefillin, before I shake lulav, before I blow shofar, before I hear megillah, I make a bracha before doing a mitzvah. When it comes to every other bracha before a mitzvah, if I omit the bracha, I still fulfill the mitzvah. And yet, Rabbi Yaakov Emden writes that when the bracha that you say before lighting the candles, if you lit the candles, the Hanukkah candles, but you did not make the bracha, shasa nisan la'avaseinu, you've not yotzei the mitzvah. Why not? I've achieved the net result. If you look in my window, you'll see that there are candles lit. Okay, the bracha is corollary. The bracha is tangential. So I forgot the bracha. I missed out on the bracha, but didn't I get the mitzvah just like every other mitzvah? If I shook lulav or heard the shofar or heard the megillah or lit the Shabbos candles or put on my tefillin and I forgot the bracha, did I get the mitzvah? Absolutely. I forfeited the bracha, sadly, but I got the mitzvah. So why is Hanukkah candles different? So he says because it's only through the bracha. It means that when I'm present, when I'm devoted, when I'm thoughtful, when I'm mindful, when I'm conscious, when I'm giving myself, nisa, when I'm seeing in the light of that candle, my neshama, when I'm seeing my capacity to grow and to aspire and to elevate, that's when I use to the mitzvah. The other mitzvahs, even if I do them very superficially, even if I do them just physically, and I wasn't mindful and present, I didn't have the kavanah when I did it, I could still put a check. You know, the most amazing thing in a relationship is that if you take out the garbage with kavana, that it's drawing you closer to your spouse who asked you to, it's beautiful. But if you didn't have the kavana while you were taking out the garbage, that even though this is a disgusting act, which will leave my hands smelly, and I was already undressed, and I got to drag it to the edge of the driveway, and the car was really in the way, and it would be such a pain, I had to go around it, and I had to go through the mud. And even though, but you know what? Each of those compromises and sacrifices is bringing me closer to my spouse, who asked me if I take the garbage out? What a kavana. It's kishmak. What a brach. I'm taking the garbage out. And I'm the garbage through this, taking the garbage out. Hareat mikudeshisli. Wow, we are, this is an unbelievably romantic gesture. So that would be the holiest and highest way to take the garbage out. But let's say you didn't have any of those thoughts. The only thought you had was, I got to get this over with as quickly as possible. Still, if the garbage is on the curb, your spouse is happy. You got it done. The Rebona Shalom is the same way. He wants us to be present when we hear the Megillah blow the shofar, put on, on tefillin, light the Shabbos candles, and so on and so forth. He wants us to have mindfulness and be present and have the entire experience and be transformed by it. But in the end of the day, as long as we can put a check that we did it, we've been Yotze the mitzvah. But Hanukkah is different. Because the whole institution of Hanukkah, the whole holiday of Hanukkah, is that we don't get away with the bare minimum. The whole idea of Hanukkah is that I'm not satisfied underachieving. It's not enough to just get away with it. It would have been enough to use a, a contaminated jug of oil, but they refused to. They went the extra mile because they never lost the enthusiasm and the passion, the dynamism, the energy, and the devotion. So therefore, you have to. Somebody writes, Shem yadliku below bracha, ein bo If all you see is a candelabra lit in your home, so people just think, what? It was dark and they needed light. Now today we have electric lights. We would never have candles burning in our window. But in antiquity, in time of the Gemara, and until fairly recently, the person lit a candle in their home every night because that's how you were able to see. So how did someone know whether the lit candle reflected the fact that you needed light or whether the lit candle was because you wanted to publicize a miracle? How did anyone know what transformed the lit candle from a conduit of light to a conduit of personal growth was your presence and mindfulness to make that bracha? 
So Hanukkah is the holiday of not getting away with it, of not underachieving, of not doing the bare minimum, of not looking for the out. Hanukkah is the holiday of getting it right and giving all of ourselves and being fully present and reaching and striving. We mentioned yesterday in the Parsha class as well that it's the image of the candle. It's the image of a candle. You look at a candle, and what do you see when you're looking at the flame of the candle? No matter what direction you hold the candle in, it's an amazing thing physics-wise. No matter what direction you hold the candle in, the flame goes up. So you say to the flame, I don't feel like going up, flame. I'm having a down day. I'm down and out. I'm depressed. I feel like I'm in a dark place. It's the language and the vernacular that we use. Somebody who's down and out, who's hopeless and helpless, somebody who's depressed, somebody who's turned inward, says, I'm in a dark place. I'm in a very dark place in my life right now. So you say, candle, we're facing down. We're in a dark place. And the flame looks back at you and it says, tough nuggies, I'm, I'm facing up. I only know one way to face. I only face one direction, and that's up. And that's the pintaliyid, the spark, the flame inside us says, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you're feeling, no matter how people around you are behaving, no matter what life is throwing your way, that little flame, it could be the ember, it could be the ember in the dumpster, or it could be a full-fledged flame, but it turns back to you and it says, I only face one direction. I only face one direction. Kiner Hashem Nishmas Adam. The candle is the symbol of our soul, of our neshama. We're made up of two parts. We're made up of an animal and we're made up of our godly spirit. We're made up of the physical, the gashmi, and we're made up of the spiritual, the ruchni. We come from the aretz, the ground, the earth, and we're going to go back there. But we also, our soul descends from above, from shamayim. Our entire lives are trying to merge shamayim va'aretz, heaven and earth. Our entire lives, that's the ladder of Yaakov Avinu. We're trying to create the bridge between heaven and earth. On the one hand, the earthliness in us, the Aretz, the Afar that we've been learning about from Ruchayim Vital, is dragging us down. On the one hand, it's trying to drag us down. And it says, just eat it and drink it and look at it and go there and do that. It's all about your physical pleasure. It's all about indulging in your happiness. It's all about pampering with vanity your body. The body's dragging us down, 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 down. And the soul inside us says, come on. You're so much better than that. And you're so much more than that. Strive higher. Come on. It's not just about the latest clothing or your appearance or your look. It's not about your money or your things or your happiness. It's about meaning and it's about purpose. And it's about your neshama. And it's about connecting to a higher power and a higher being and meeting his expectations and following his prescription for your happiness. Come on. You're capable of so much more. Stop resisting it. Stop allowing the arats in us the nefesh bahami, the animal in us, stop allowing it to create a resistance that's holding us back and break through and make that change and nourish that soul inside you because it's desperately trying to go from an ember that's holding on. It wants to be fanned. It wants to be able to explode into a raging fire. And now we look at the menorah. We have a mesorah. The Kedushas Levi says, or Levi Yitzchak tells us that Hanukkah is the holiday of seeing. Different holidays have different tastes. We have five senses, and the different holidays correspond with different senses that we have. Pesach is our sense of eating, matzah and maror. Pesach is the holiday of eating. Each of the holidays are, correspond with a different sense. Purim is the holiday of listening, of hearing. I have to hear the Megillah. Chanukah, he says, is the holiday of seeing. It's the capacity to see. And what am I looking for? What am I seeing? He says the Kedushas Levi, after you light the Chanukah candles, we have a tragedy that happens. And we struggle with it. Everybody struggles with it. You light the menorah, and immediately you run to the other room. Open presents, make latkes, spin the dreidel. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, running out to the next concert, the next event, the next program, the next gathering, the next... 
And those poor little Hanukkah candles, they say, you weren't supposed to just light me and leave me. You weren't supposed to just light me and abandon me. Spend some time with me, sit with me, look at me. Now, we're not allowed to benefit from them. In yeshiva, that's what they used to say, the boys would say about the girls. You're only allowed to look at the Hanukkah candles. You're not allowed to benefit from them or interact with them. Just lirosam bavad. So the whole Hanukkah candles, they're haneros halalu. These neros halalu, we're lighting the menorah and haneros halalu? Kodashem. They're kodesh, they're holy. So we take our little kids to shul. When they're little kids, when shul is over, we walk them on the bima, we open the arm and they say, look, it's a Torah, give it a kiss. Give it a kiss. It's holy. It's a holy Torah. It's filling, it's holy. But the Hanukkah candles, Haner Salalu, they're kodashem, they're holy. And what do we do? Come on, kids. Presents in the other room. Latkes in the other room. Dreidel in the other room. That's the best case scenario because at least we're still spending time with each other. Worst case scenario is everyone scatters and goes on to their own lives and Hanukkah lasts for seven seconds that it takes to light the menorah. But you're not allowed to use the light of the menorah. You can't learn or count your money, the Gemara gives an example, or, or do your own personal things next to the light of the menorah. You can't li- benefit from the light of the menorah. But yet, what are we supposed to do? Lir osam bilvad. The one thing to do with them is not to use them as a torch to light up the room. What do we do with them? They're there for one reason and one reason only, to stare at. It's not polite to stare. When it comes to the Hanukkah candles, it's not polite not to stare. It's impolite not to stare. Ela lir osam bilvad. Our whole mission, and the Kedushas Levi says, this is the holiday of looking, of seeing, of staring. And it has the ability to repair the damage we've done to our eyes. We've done damage to our eyes in different ways. Some people have damaged their eyes by looking at the things other people have with jealousy and envy and wishing they had it and wondering why their neighbor has it. Some people have damaged their eyes by watching things that we shouldn't be watching, images that we shouldn't be absorbing in our eyes. We have all kinds of damage done to our eyes. And how do we repair that damage done to our eyes? We have a skula, a good kind, the legit kind. That when you finish lighting the menorah, the Hanukkah candles don't run anywhere. The latkes will be waiting, the dreidel can wait, the Hanukkah gel can wait, and the distribution of the presents can wait. Just gather around the candles and look, and stare, and watch that light. And what are you looking for? You know, the flame, it dances. It's dancing. Remember the Baal Shem we learned a few weeks ago? A person walks into a room, and there's music playing, and everyone's dancing, and it's a huge party. But they're deaf. They've got earplugs in. They've got noise-canceling headphones on and they don't hear the music. What they see are a bunch of crazy people dancing in a room, but it's only because they don't hear the music. And the Baal Shem says, Amuna is the music of life. Baal Shem is playing the music of, hi, I'm here, and let's dance together. And there's a music and a rhythm and a meaning and a purpose to the world. But if you don't hear the music, you just see a bunch of crazy people dancing. But if you take the earplugs out and now you hear the music, all you want is to jump in the middle with them. You can't hold back from dancing with them. So that flame, it's dancing, it's flickering. And what way is it dancing? It's not dancing down. It's not dancing down to the earth, and it's not dancing to a place of physicality. It's dancing only up. It's dancing higher and higher and higher. Kiner Hashem Nishmas Adam, our neshama is just dying to go higher and higher. And our body is the resistance that's blocking it and holding it back and leaving us feeling unsatisfied and unfulfilled and lacking the meaning and the purpose that we all crave. That's what we're looking at. They're Kodashem. The, the Yavanim, 
I said this also in the Parsha class, I won't belabor it, but the Yavanam's mission was, Yisrael. They tried to darken our eyes. The Pasuk says, The world was tov, When the God created the world, it's a description of the original creation. And the four phrases in that sentence all correspond with the four exiles. So the exile of Choshech, of darkness, is the exile of the Syrian Greeks, of Hanukkah, of the Yavanim, of the Hellenists. They tried to darken our eyes. What does it mean to darken someone's eyes? They said, stop looking at the flame. Stop feeding and nourishing your neshama. Stop believing that there's an ember and a spark inside. Stop lighting fires. They tried to make it dark outside. How do you make it dark? By turning off the light. By extinguishing the fire. By extinguishing the flame. They tried to put out the ember. They tried to, they tried to put out our fire. They tried to extinguish our fire. And our mission in life is not only to be on fire, but to light other people's fire and to make our fire burn even brighter. And how do we do that? When we look at the light of the menorah. And when we look at that light of the menorah, you know what you see? If we gather around that, flint, that fire of the menorah, and if we'd stare at them, you know what we'd see? We'd see the bracha that's under our eyes all along. What does it mean to be living in darkness? Darkness is, woe is me. Darkness is, I have nothing, and the world is nothing, and all there is is pain and suffering. And there is a lot of legitimate pain and suffering in this room and well beyond people who've suffered and struggled and been stricken in ways we can't and shouldn't ever have to imagine. And Hashem should just give you strength and courage and comfort and consolation and bracha. But those who haven't experienced that horrific struggle and that horrific suffering. Yesterday I had back-to-back meetings. First, Yechavad and I met with an amazing couple come to my Parsha class. I told the story in Adrasha last year, two years ago, about the hidden shul of Terezhenstadt. So the daughter of the artist who drew that hidden shul comes to the Parsha class, and she and her husband came to meet, and they shared more of their story, and they are, are you allowed to say about a couple that are the cutest couple you ever met and the sweetest couple? They're both deep into their 90s, and they both were sent on the kinder transport and lost their whole families, and they met at an orphanage at a young age, and then they got married, and they built a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful family. And there they were telling us their story of survival and how they lost their whole family. An extraordinary, extraordinary story, talking all about Hashem and how good Hashem is to them and the hundred offspring that they have, the, the being at their grandchild's grandchild's bris, their great-great-grandchild's bris, and how amazing Hashem is. Amazing Hashem. So parents murdered, killed, family exterminated, suffered, sent on a candle transport, living in an orphanage, and Hashem is just amazing. They're on fire. They're on fire. The light of the menorah, on fire. And the next meeting, sadly, was with a, a young member of the community, dating a non-Jew, turned off, went through our entire Jewish education system. And you say, why? Well, because this and this happened to me, so there's no God. There's no Judaism. There's no purpose. And, and this isn't a reason to be observant, I said to them. I'm not trying to guilt you into it or tell you the reason. I just can't help but telling you that the people right before you in this office in the same chair... We're two people who lost everything, who went through the greatest atrocity in the history of humanity, who went through the greatest loss and the greatest pain that ever existed, and they sat here with a smile on their face talking about choosing to see what Hashem has done for them, choosing to see the good, choosing to turn on the light, rather than live in the dark. They're exceptional, they're extraordinary, and I'm not saying it's easy, and I don't say it to guilt that person or guilt any of us, but they are role models, they are a source of strength for us. And we live in a generation that, you know, this one, th- whatever, it didn't work out for me, I'm out, I'm done. Life isn't perfect. Everything doesn't happen exactly the way I want. I'm not talking about the people who've had terrible tragedies, who have every reason in the world to object and protest Hashem. But I'm talking about, you know, I recently flew, and would you believe the Wi-Fi didn't work, and there's no God. There's no God. The Wi-Fi was slow, it was out. 
my DirecTV didn't work, or the channel I wanted wasn't working, there's no God. What was me? Why do bad things happen to good people? And there's no God. Which I'm exaggerating, but not by much, this generation. Which includes us. So you light the menorah, you light the Hanukkah candles, and, and, and you see the bracha that's right in front of us all along, that was right under our nose. George Orwell once wrote, to see what is in front of one's nose needs a constant struggle. To see what's right under our nose needs a constant struggle. And what I'm getting at, and then we'll get to our learning. What time is it? Oy. We're almost done. What I'm getting at is, whether we live in the light or the dark is up to us. It's up to us. You could turn off the light and sit in the dark and say, woe is me, or you could choose to turn on the light. And by turning on the light, the problems are still there when you turn the light on. But you also see some of the solutions. You see the challenges, but you also see a lot of the blessings. So the choice Hanukkah tells us, turn on the light. And all you could start on the first night is a little light, so you turned on one light. And by the eighth night, you're able to turn the dimmer higher and higher and fan that flame brighter and brighter. And Hanukkah says, find the ember, find the spark, it's inside you. And Hanir Salolo, that spark is Kodashim. It stands for your neshama. And it's dancing to go higher and higher. And your body is the resistance that's making you drag you down, down, down. But the spark of the soul inside you is trying to make you go higher and higher and higher. Stop resisting it. Stop holding back. Take that leap. Stop resisting it. Hanukkah, make a pledge, make a promise, make a change. You don't have to wait an extra week when the rest of the world are going to make their resolutions. You can make the resolution now. Overcome that resistance and feed that soul, that neshama, and let it go higher and higher. What improvement are we going to make? If we don't daven every day, I'm going to daven every day. If I daven without kavanah, I'm going to try to be present and think about what I'm saying. If I never volunteer to do chesed, I'm going to be thoughtful and drop off meals or check in on people when they're all alone. If my dress and modesty need improvement, I'm going to work on that. If my gossip and language and speech need improvement, I'll work on that. What area of my life, bin adun l'chavera, bin adun l'makam, bin adun l'ma'atzmo, is the resistance holding me back? That I say, it's just not me. I eat that, I eat that. I eat out in those places, or I speak in that way, or I use that language, or I uh, only care about myself. That's just me. It's the way it is. It's the way it's been forever. It's the way it'll always be. No, it doesn't have to. There's a soul. There's a spark. It's dancing up and up and up, and it may be a little ember or glow. Fan that flame. Give it the oxygen it needs. What's the oxygen it needs? It's Torah. The oxygen it needs is Torah and Amuna, which is exactly the point. Amuna is the oxygen that the ember needs in order for it to glow and grow bright and to burn as a raging, raging, raging fire. That's what it's all about. Hanukkah is the holiday of sight and of seeing. They're holy and they're osim bavad. We're supposed to look into them and see ourselves and see the lives that we're capable of and the amuna that we could have and how it would transform our life to wake up every morning with a sense of mission and a sense of purpose with a sense of why we're here and the difference that we can make and to see the bracha in our lives. Should we do one paragraph back in the Sefer? Okay, one paragraph. Torah tells us that in the time that Hashem visited Avram after he had his bris, so angels came. We all know the story. We just read it recently. Avram sitting outside his tent. It's the third day after the bris. It's the most painful day in recovering from surgery. And Hashem's in the middle of visiting him and talking to him. And angels come. Now, if God is sending the angels, couldn't he have delayed their arrival a few more minutes till he was done visiting with Avram? Why did Hashem set up that conflict to begin with? Why create the conflict? Oh. 
what we've been learning, Rav has been telling us is that the, be- the best way to improve ourselves is to live with Amuna. We think that if I'm better, I have Amuna, but it's the opposite. If I have Amuna and I recognize and realize and devote myself to Hashem, then I will improve myself. So what Hashem was testing Avram was he was saying the following. I'm in the middle of talking to you, but you know, my whole relationship with you is so that you'll be like me. So let's put it into practice. Let's test it. Let's see if it happens. You ready? We're in the middle of a conversation. Let's see if you interrupt to go host these angels that you think are men. Let's see if you interrupt. Because God says, in the conflict and choice between talking to me and being like me, I'd rather you be like me. And Moon is supposed to make us better people. It's supposed to help us correct and repair our midos. By believing and seeing the hand of Hashem guiding our lives, which is also obviously the story of Hanukkah, Halal v'hoda'ah, al-hanisim, bayamim ahem, bazman hazeh. They happen then and they're happening to us now. There are miracles every single day. Go back and listen to the Siddur snippets on Moda'ani and Birchas HaShachar and realize that when you woke up this morning and you opened your eyes and both your eyes worked, Bazman Hazeh, there was a miracle that happened to you today. You went to the bathroom, everything worked, there was a miracle that happened to you today. You put two feet on the ground and you didn't collapse and your legs took you where you meant to go, there was a miracle that happened to you today. There are miracles each and every day. In Hanukkah for eight days, we are filled with gratitude to Hashem. Thank you. Thank you for those daily miracles. The overt explicit miracles and the hidden implicit miracles. The purpose of the big miracles, the overt ones, is to open my eyes to the hidden ones. These are days of eight. Eight is one more than seven. The supernatural, I see Hashem. I see you everywhere. In the natural is supernatural. In the ordinary is extraordinary. Hashem, I see you everywhere. And because of that, I'm going to improve my midos. I want to be like you. I'm going to emulate you. I'm going to follow your model, follow your lead. So that's what Hashem was testing Avram, and that's how Revolve is explaining this. Otherwise, very confusing section. Why didn't Hashem just delay their arrival until he was done meeting? Why did he set up the conflict? And the reason he set up the conflict was to test and to say, Avram, you claim that you love me. Avram, you claim you've discovered me and you found me. Then you must know that what I want more than anything is not for you to talk to me, but for you to be like me. Be like me. Improve your midos. Be kind and giving and gracious and magnanimous and benevolent and generous and altruistic. Be like me. That is the great tribute you can give to me. So I give us all a bracha. Yehiratzon, that on the remaining days of Hanukkah, we should stare at those candles and watch them dance and flicker upwards. And they should inspire that spark inside us, the neshama inside us, the flame, the, the, the ember that's inside us, that we should fan it with amuna until it blows, glows bright and becomes a raging, raging fire that is lighting up the whole world. Happy Hanukkah.